Him? Shin! Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes three and four. Episode 3, Monster Scorpion Man, Kaijin Sasori Otoko. The Shocker Organization seeks to draw Kamen Rider out by letting a prisoner escape. Our hero must then save the captured Ruriko from the deadly stingers of the Scorpion Man and his pet scorpions. <laughs> so nathan uh man-eating spiders or a man-eating scorpions oh <laughs> that, that was terrifying <laughs> terrifying but let me ask you do they actually eat yeah they don't they say they're man-eating but they don't eat people they just kind of spray <laughs> red goo in their face and then people dissolve away <laughs> <laughs> okay we need to talk about this okay okay <laughs> oh my gosh okay we talked about the dissolving effect in the first episode and at least in that case they were using foam all right mm-hmm. i can believe that you know it, it's an interesting effect. It's soap foam. You can pass it off as you know, a body dissolving and all of that. Oh my gosh, this one. <laughs> it is. Uh... It wrecked me. It wrecked me. I actually messaged you and I just said, I can't stop laughing at this. I'm not kidding you. I had to pause the episode and laugh for about a minute straight. It was so goofy. Yeah. Uh, this was, this was kind of, I mean, it, they just kind of turn into spaghetti and they get sucked away. <laughs> what? <laughs> they look, not even spaghetti. They look like it looks like a necklace. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like Bruce Wayne's uh, mom's pearls that always get broken every time she gets yeah. killed. It, it, just, it looks like, yeah, it just looks like a necklace that they unhooked, laid down in a random pattern, and then they somebody would just hold it off uh, off camera and would just yank it, just pull it, and just let it you know uh straighten out as they yanked it away and then they pass this off as a dissolving i'm like what is this yeah yeah so um that happens a few times in this uh something i want to talk about we did i I said i wanted to talk about in the last episode but we didn't talk about in the last episode i want to talk about tobe tobayashi is that it? Yeah. Tobe Tachibana. Tobe Tachibana. The mentor character. Tachibana. Uh, 
this uh this character i love a good mentor character like the the idea uh like like zordon or yoda or mr miyagi i love a good mentor character and my goodness how i love this actor akiji kobayashi is his name and anybody who has watched Ultraman would recognize him as the captain on the original Ultraman. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's watched uh, the Heisei Godzilla would recognize him because he's in a couple of Heisei Godzilla films. <laughs> Dudes everywhere. Yeah. So um, what do you think of of Tobey? Tobey. Uh, well, why, why, why am I struggling with his name? Tobe Tachibana. <laughs> I keep wanting because I keep wanting because it's because it's because the actor's name is Akiji Kobayashi. Because so I keep wanting to merge the two names together. So so what do you think of Tobe Tachibana? Every good hero needs to have a good mentor. It's the hero's journey. You know, you got to have an Obi Wan for the Luke. You know, and I like what this guy does. He's he's helping to keep Hongo a little bit grounded, uh, though he seems to help him out a little bit more on the right, uh, on the rider side, you know, as a motorcycle rider mm -hmm. and a little bit less on the superhero stuff, at least at the moment, but he does get himself involved in that as well. Yeah. So, um, because I'm familiar with the franchise, uh, and I know where it goes from here. Uh, Tobey, Tachibana, that character does continue on even after this original series ends. Uh, he pops up and and plays a part in later Common Rider series. He is a mainstay of the franchise. Yes, that that's good to hear. Actually, <laughs> so does he help other writers, or you know, is he just go on to play other characters? No, he uh, he helps other writers. Uh, he he shows up and helps. Uh, I think actually he helps pretty much all of the the first seven writers or like the like first original seven common writers. Uh, he is a part, you know, plays a part in, and they do reference you know him in other series even after Akichi Kobayashi dies. They reference that character in future series so like like as they really really uh show how important he is to the uh common writer like lore and for and history and stuff uh as time goes on but yeah here in this series he is just a mentor and also kind of he was um he was uh he was hongo's coach when Hongo is, you know, as a motorcycle racer. Mm -hmm. But he's also Hongo's friend and also his kind of like father figure because Hongo's parents died uh, when he was young. And so uh, Tachibana uh, takes over kind of raising him. Uh, so, yeah, so he's a very important character. And I, I just wanted to kind of touch on him and and get kind of your feelings on him because he is going to stick around for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely need to have someone like this. I kind of wish at this point that Hongo would open up to him a little bit more about the struggles that he's having as a superhero at this point. And it doesn't seem like he's 
quite doing that. And I think it would be very beneficial to Hongo. But that's why character development is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some moments in this episode where the camera flips completely over <laughs> upside down in the middle of the action scenes and i am hurting my neck trying to turn my head to figure out what's going on i mean as much as i love the show that is that is some awful awful filmmaking I, they were uh, i get the feeling they were just they were trying to find their style and they decided let's experiment a little bit. How about we turn the camera upside down when, uh, when KR decides to start fighting the shocker goons, this'll be great. And it's just like, what are you doing? You think you're some, I think you're avant-garde cinema or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's uh, I know people complain. I know people complain about shaky cam in modern action movies, but what was that? Yeah, this isn't shaky cam. This is flip around upside down cam. <laughs> yeah, that was in the running for. I'm actually double checking to say no. Uh, was that uh, was did I name that as my WTH? No, it was not my WTH, but it was in the running. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's up there for me too. Uh, what what other things did you find interesting in this episode? <sighs> He finally says rider kick. Yes, yes, rider kick. But he finally says rider kick. I mean, three episodes in a 98 episode long series. Like, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, again, when you're, you, when you have some knowledge already of what the tropes are, it, you, and, yeah. and you have to wait for it to you know right it's, it's like yeah you know, it's in hindsight like in hindsight we're looking at it like oh well we know what the we know what the tropes are we know what the things are so say the thing say the catchphrase but it's like well that's that's it's only a catchphrase because at a certain point they started saying it every episode that doesn't mean they started it in the first episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing you do have to remember and the you know and every show has growing pains in its early episodes i mean Trust me, as someone who's been going through and watching Power Rangers, let me tell you, some of those first few episodes of Power Rangers are pretty rough. Uh, there's some questionable fight choreography there because it's just like, who thought this was a good idea? And, you know, and this show has had some moments like that as well. But I've already been noticing, you know, going through this, that it started to improve already. Yeah, 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 it definitely is. Uh, I think that the... Again, when you're watching this, like I said, for the first episode, um, the yes, you're going to see the seams. You're going to see the low budget. But if you ignore the low budget stuff and pay, pay attention to the story and the characters and stuff like that, you can really. Yeah, it, it's definitely growing and improving and doing so much better. And yeah, this uh, the effects are going to improve as time goes on, too. But but like that's that's my thing, uh, especially being a fan of old giant monster movies, you know, where you can see the strings mm -hmm. holding up the, the monster um, that, you know, it's <laughs> so like oftentimes, yeah, if the story and the in the movie or the, the show, if it can if I can get absorbed into the story, then the effects don't matter. I'm just enjoying the ride. And that's kind of how I feel with Common Rider. I'm just along for the ride with the common writer 
Oh, where's my, uh, where did I put that? Oh, uh, wait, nope. You can cut this. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I actually had them set that sound bank on, the, uh, on here, but yes. Uh, but here's something, I want to ask you this. I started appreciating it by the time I got to this episode, and that's the commercial break cards that they have. Is that the actual manga art that they're using? It's uh, it's not manga art, but it is art done by the manga artist. It's it was art that was done specifically for okay. the show, though, because uh, it's in color. So that's how you can tell because okay. manga is not in color. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But yeah, because it looked pretty. It looked pretty. Yeah, Shotaro Ishinomori uh, did some uh, did the title card breaks uh, for the commercial breaks and stuff. So, so that is uh, that is artwork that he did, and it looks fantastic because he has a very unique style uh, to his artwork, and you can definitely pick out his art style when you see it. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, talk a little bit about our titular monster of the week in this episode, the Scorpion Man, which. <laughs> Again, I'm getting, I'm noticing a pattern here. It's always Animal Man, you know, yeah. with this. It's reminding me a lot of Mega Man. But uh, so uh, this begins a thing that happens in a couple of episodes now where we are introduced to a longtime friend of Hongo's who, uh, spoiler warning, ends up working for Shocker. What a twist. And in this case, his friend slash rival, Hayase is the Scorpion Man. Yeah, so <laughs> that is a big deal in this because Goro Hayase is is one of uh yeah is said you know they say it in the episode that he is a longtime friend of of Takeshi's. He has he's a rival when it comes to racing, but he's never been able to beat Takeshi, and so he's been training to try to beat Takeshi at racing and. He went abroad to try to get better at racing. And then we find out that in the process of going abroad, he also joined Shocker of his own free will. He was not kidnapped, according to him, and transformed into the Scorpion Man. Mm hmm. Yeah, it is. A, it's a it's a big it's a big twist um but has no long-term effects on the show <laughs> I, it. I just okay it, it, but it, that was the thing that's how television was at the time that we're, we're a little too used to serialized storytelling and there's some serialized storytelling in this but the, this was at a time when television was every episode was one and done and then you move mm -hmm. on right uh, it was it was episodic that's just how things worked if anything was serialized it was a little revolutionary at the time yeah but yeah like i said we do have some serialization going on here but yeah this has no long-term effects we were just introduced to this guy in this episode just to make him the villain and then we kill him and we're done <laughs> yeah yeah um i will say though spoiler alert he does come back Ooh. Uh, again, not, not, yeah. Uh, so I'll just say that. Uh, so look forward to that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, I will say uh, again, you know, there's some funny little quirks that all of these shocker goons have. And what uh, we mentioned before, one of them is their creepy giggling. And now, uh, in this one, maybe this is probably more distinct to the Scorpion man, but uh, he apparently likes doing funny little in interpretive dances while walking around in the shadows, stalking people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Waving the hands around and doing a whole bunch of little motions and everything. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, even KR is starting to develop his own little thing now. He's starting to do poses now, and one of them looks suspiciously like a dab. That is his <laughs> most famous one. That is his most famous common rider pose, which is the sticking the arms straight out, uh, or kind of like side, you know, like in, in, a, in a, almost like a dab. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, I'm so glad to see that because that is his most iconic pose is the common Rider. That's the common Rider pose. If you see statues <laughs> well, of common Rider, if you see images of common Rider, they are usually, he is usually doing that pose. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's, that's one of his poses. Just like Ultraman has the, you know, the, the cross thing with his arms when he does the specium beam or right. holding, you know, holding fist up because it's after he transforms or something like that. So that's just thing. But I think we can now establish it here on Henshin, man. Common writer invented the dab. Let's just yeah. get this out there right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Common writer invented the dab. Yeah. Uh -huh. But you know, there is something that gets, established in this that comes back later and it's a little bit shocking no pun intended but i'll do that anyway <laughs> <laughs> that is, shocker is connected to the nazis <laughs> yep um we'll talk about that in our next episode of the podcast because <laughs> yes we will have to that plays a episode. bigger part in the next episode but yes the shocker yeah. is connected to the nazis and oh boy we talked about in the last episode things that would not make it onto american children's programs <laughs> um, uh direct connections to nazis probably wouldn't make yep. it onto an american show american kids show <laughs> probably not i mean uh, the, uh, with the red skull uh who's very much a nazi they actually when he ah, that's uh, true even in the the interview they basically you know they really toned down his connections to nazis and he was just hydra at that point so right <laughs> they're uh hesitant to start getting into that and i could understand I could understand. And then you know, a couple of comments that I want to throw on here. Again, continuing the comic book parallels. The, at this point, the show is kind of operating on the, this might be your first episode sort of a thing. You know, like mm -hmm. this might be your first issue of the comic book. So here's a little exposition dump to get you caught up. <laughs> well, re remember that yeah. this is, this is 1971. And in the 1970s, it, they did not have uh, reruns of shows and uh nope. so you know you weren't you didn't if you missed the first episode or missed the first two episodes you're not going to catch them you know when they come back around and and replay them no so if you are watching this and you missed the last episode you need a catch up on what's going on <laughs> yeah again it's a convention of the time yeah. and again very comic book 
And mm-hmm. uh, one other thing that I'm just going to point out, because it's something I've been noticing with these last, with these first few episodes, how do people keep not seeing the gigantic animals that are being used to track people? <laughs> like in the first episode, you know, uh, the, the giant, I call it the spider tracer, because that's a Spider-Man thing. Right, yeah. A Marvel Spider-Man thing. And I'm just like, how do you not see the the spider the size of a dinner plate on the back windshield of your car okay yeah and they did that again with the, with the giant scorpions that are crawling around on the ceiling it's like how does nobody see that for 30 seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> until yeah. You know, the moment of drama i mean <laughs> right until the plot demands it <laughs> I will say, though, in this episode, we did get a return of some of your favorite characters, the Fishnet Squad. <laughs> yeah, the Fishnet Squad. The Fishnet Squad came back, although, unfortunately, they seem to vanish after this. And I'm like, why? Where's the Fishnet Squad? Yeah. I have so many questions about the Fishnet Squad. <laughs> well, they actually do stuff in this episode because they actually, like, actually do something to try to capture or kill uh hongo so like it's like oh they actually did something and now they're gone <laughs> yep <laughs> but uh you know I-, I think that's a good place where we can move in to the next episode where the nazis start becoming more prominent yeah yeah <laughs> Episode 4, Man-Eating Saracenian. Hitokui Saracenian. Takeshi comes to the aid of a young boy whose sister is kidnapped by a human plant while at the botanical gardens. But will Kamen Rider make it in time to rescue the girl from the clutches of Shocker? We are finally introduced to the common writer equivalent to Kinney. <laughs> the, oh, really? The, anybody, <laughs> anybody who doesn't know uh, Gamera, the Gamera series, uh, Kinney is a name that we like to use for fans of the of Gamera and Giant Monsters for uh, kids who are either terrible actors or just annoying characters. Um, and yeah, it, it all got started because the dub for the uh, the there's an infamous dub of the original Gamera movie where they changed some of the characters' names, and one of them uh, there was a little kid and his name was changed to Kenny, and then it was popularized by MST3K because they covered a bunch of gamma movies and they kept calling every single kid kenny <laughs> yeah yeah uh what did you think of the kid let's just ju- let's just get that out of the way what did you think of the kid oh, oh this kid this kid yeah oh that kid's not getting an oscar anytime soon I'm just... no no he's not <laughs> no he's not is terrible especially when they're trying to get him to cry and it's the fakest crying uh, i have ever seen my gosh i showed you the war in space and there's a crying scene in that that is done by an adult that is still better and it's still kind of silly but at least 
in war in space, it's benefited by the fact that it's so earnest. And this is just what? <laughs> yeah. And then they're trying so hard to pour on the pity on this kid because they're like, oh, where's his dad? His dad is dead. What about his mother? His mother is dead. Uh, okay. <laughs> so and, all he has is his big sister. And she's just been kidnapped by a giant plant man. Or not giant, but just a, a big plant a man. plant man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this monster in this uh, in this one is a is an improvement over the last ones. Actually, yeah, the suit uh, for this guy actually looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is, it is, uh, uh, it is good. I, I do like the the pitcher plant. The one thing that gets me about the pitcher plant man is he doesn't talk like the other ones. Like he doesn't like the other ones. It spoke and actually like said evil, you know, dialogue. But he doesn't speak. He just makes noise, which is actually a little bit creepier. This is a, a very interesting episode because this is the first time in the series. I mean, we're only three episodes or four episodes into the series, but this is the first time that a character from the show refers to Takeshi as common writer. Cause up to this point, oh. the only, the only person who has actually used the words common writer was the narrator. But this is the first time in universe in or, you know, that's not narration, not narration for the show that he is actually called common writer. And I think that is really mm. neat because then you actually get his official name, common writer. Which for those who don't know, common actually means masked. Hence why when we had the show in the 90s, the Saban series, it was called masked writer also i'm guessing that means what you're saying is these characters read the script that's <laughs> yeah 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 uh which but it is kind of weird that that like all of the other shocker villains that he fights all the main villains that he fights are like animal man something man but yet he goes mm -hmm. by common rider not bug rider or bug man or, or grasshopper man, grasshopper man. <laughs> <laughs> which i'm totally fine with because common rider sounds a heck of a lot cooler heck even mast rider sounds better so yeah yeah it, it definitely does and it also harkens back to what essentially you know is the original tokusatsu show henshin hero show which is uh the what is it um a uh, moon mask moon mask uh which is a really old show that appeared in japan or i think it was a serialized show you know in japan black and white and it is hugely popular and had a big influence on japanese pop culture and they've remade it a few times in anime form and in live action form but that was you know one of the original ones and uh yeah they they use the word common in that because of mask uh for moon mask and so you know putting masked writer in the title it kind of harkens back to that very popular uh classic tokusatsu show that was already like uh probably about 20 years old by the time this show came out yeah Mm -hmm, about 15 or so years old yeah. at that point. Yeah, at least. Uh, uh, and this is also a point where we're starting to see some of the tropes of this show, to a certain extent, tropes of tokusatsu's he heroes in general. And this franchise is starting to come together 
in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One, I I noticed that uh, they stopped uh, recapping things with a narration during the episode. Now they put it during the theme song Mm -hmm. that gives you this quick little exposition dump so that you know what you're getting into when you start, which is nice. Uh, Comic books kind of do that. Uh, They would, uh, Marvel was very good about doing that in a lot of their newer stuff the last 15 years or so where they would put a little recap on the first page to get you up to speed and then you would go into the story so Mm -hmm. that was nice but i'm also starting to notice some things like there are a lot of fights in quarries i'm just (laughs) yeah yeah lots of and which is a little bit of a joke you know it's a little bit of a joke not just with tokusatsu shows but just science fiction in general there's a lot of like there's a lot of episodes of doctor who that take place yeah in quarries a lot of big open rocky dirt areas uh where no one is around and they don't have to build a set (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm also noticing that uh, kr loves to throw goons down hills (laughs) that happens a lot now too (laughs) yeah um they he throws them down hills or or there's i don't know if it's this episode or one of the ones we've that we talk uh we talked about either previously or in our next episode but but there's a scene where the villains roll down the hill and then he leaps over them, jumps up the hill and they roll up the hill to chase after him, which is obviously just the reverse yeah. shot of what they had just did earlier. And that is just the craziest looking, silliest looking thing. Just to see these guys just right up the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weirdly charming i will admit because it's kind of part of the show's style at this point yeah although i will say the i love the and it's all this is always one of the fun parts about a lot of shows like this it's all the crazy flips and all of that you know if you watch power rangers you know all about the unnecessary backflips and Mm -hmm. ultraman does it too so yep uh they all do But uh, unfortunately, it seems like they decided that they needed to film some inserts after the fact with the common writer uh, actor and they were clearly filmed indoors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I saw that, too. Like you can see the um, the wallpaper (laughs) in the back. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little unfortunate, uh, but uh, yeah. But, you know, it's still, it it gets the job done. And, you know, there are other shows that have had similar issues. But, uh, and this was something, though, I thought was interesting. The whole reason that this happens, the reason that Shocker kidnaps this girl Mm -hmm. is because they want to experiment on her like they did Hongo. Right. And they, because they, and they, it's not just, you know, turn her into a mutant monster plant animal hybrid abomination no they want to make they specifically said they want to make her a cyborg just like they did to hongo now he rescues her in time before that happens although we see them test somebody else and he Mm -hmm. dies yeah they do it which is a little terrifying so they're trying it's so i'm looking at that and i'm thinking because i know what's coming so i'm like wow they're already trying to make another common writer i guess and mm-hmm. see, see, seeing that they're trying to do it with this girl that prompted me to ask you the resident common writer expert has there ever been a female common writer in the franchise so this is kind of spoiling what's coming up 
in a future episode but um there's never been a main writer uh as a that's a female um common writer but there have been there's at least one series that had a secondary writer that was a a, a woman um a female common writer now for anybody who's not aware of the common writer franchise i'll go ahead and spoil it here uh the the secondary writer is a trope that continues on in uh this series and also in future series where you have your your common writer who is the main one for the show and then at some point down the line they will introduce a second sometimes third sometimes more uh writer that is kind of like <laughs> looking at you common writer dragon knight <laughs> yeah yeah um that that are that are well. kind of like they're not sidekicks they're more like partners and and they help the main writer on his journey and his adventures and stuff um and so yeah we've never had a main writer be but there is in uh common writer zero one i think is the one that has it that has a a female common writer uh and i know that one i'm trying to think if common writer kiva or common writer Ryuki might have a female Kamen Rider Ryuki is the one that was adapted into Kamen Rider Dragon Knight and that one has like 30 uh Kamen Riders so there very yes. well could be a female <laughs> one I just don't remember it offhand but I know Zero One has one because she's like a uh she's a leopard themed one and she looks really cool she's actually of the Ooh. Zero One of the Zero One characters I like her Kamen Rider suit the most which is weird because zero one actually has a really awesome looking suit too, but I think hers is better. It's such a, it's nice and orange and it's silver and orange. And it's really cool. Ooh. Ooh, I like orange. Orange is good. It's hard to make orange look good on clothing, let alone a superhero costume. Yeah. Yeah. But they do, they do it. They do a, a good job with it. Um, so I, I'll, uh, I'll send you a picture of it. It's really, it's really cool looking. Um, but yeah, that's the only, that's the only female one that I know of. Alrighty, well, with that, I think we can get into our awards, Travis. Yeah, so we're going to give our awards to uh, some of our favorite moments in these episodes. Uh, the first award we're going to look at is the Henshin Kick, which is our favorite stunt work in the episode, because these Henshin Hero shows have a lot of great stunt work, and so we want to uh, kind of highlight that in each episode. So what was your favorite uh stunt in these episodes uh, his new move because he keeps getting new moves yeah <laughs> the Rydos does <laughs> which is basically if you're into professional wrestling it, it looks like a frankensteiner or a hurricane rana <laughs> okay where uh, which he uses to finish off the scorpion man <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really neat. And so uh, this starts the kind of trend. Well, we kind of did it in the last episode too, but the trend of of him doing moves, but just putting Ryder in front of it. <laughs> Ryder. Because that just adds a plus 10 to its damage magically, you know, which is he's already uh, you're giving a plus 10 on damage by saying it as he does it because it's an anime thing. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. 
Um, my Henshin Kick uh, Award goes to the motorcycle action at the end of episode four, uh, or towards the end of episode four, because when you're watching this, it's easy to see like, oh, they're obviously you know, like they're they're following beats and they're you know they're doing they're, this is all choreographed. You can really see the chore- choreography in it. But you also have to remember whether or not this is a trained and practiced choreographed um, scene. He's still barreling at these guys on a, you know, thousand pound motorcycle (laughs) in a quarry. Yes. So the fact that he's moving around and these guys (laughs) are jumping out of the way. I mean, it's just it's so it's so great all of the motorcycle action and knowing that like, no, these, these are all real stunts. They are not, they are not uh, like, they didn't have computer generation. They didn't have puppets. They didn't have anything like that. This is real stunts on a motorcycle and everything. And, uh, and the, the actor who plays common rider who plays Takeshi, he is doing all of his own stunts in these first episodes too. So that's, uh, that's, I know. Yeah. That's commitment right there, which is near as I can tell that that is something that honestly doesn't happen a lot in any of these henshin hero shows. They typically, when they make them, they cast two actors, uh, Mm -hmm. one they call the face actor, the, the, the secret identity. You know, Uh, there's a reason for that. Frank, you are Tommy Oliver, you know? Right. And then they cast another actor to be in the costume to do the stunt work. And I've actually heard stories where somewhere at least a couple of the face actors have been like, what? I don't get to wear the costume and do the fun stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's a reason for that. And we'll find that out uh, in episode 12 uh, of this show. Um, <laughs> why? Why that is that they stopped doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right, so now uh, Toku, best special effect. <laughs> yeah, talking Toku. So, what is your best special effect for this for these episodes? Uh, we've already talked about it. It's the the pitcher plant man suit. So, yeah that that suit was really yeah that suit was really good for for being the low budget that it is. That was one of the best ones that we've seen so far. Uh, and I know it's still early on, but that is one of the best better ones that we see. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, mine is the moment where Goro Hayase, uh, tears off his face to reveal that he is the scorpion man underneath that scene, that special, the special effect of the rubber face, the rubber mask pulling off like, you know, the, the, the mission impossible mask that he pulls off (laughs) is so good. It's such a good scene. I love that scene and that special effect is done really well, even in the 1970s. It looks better in the 1970s than in Ca- uh, Captain America or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier when when Agent 13 pulls her <laughs> fake face off in that. It's like it's not as good with the CGI. It's so cool that it's a real rubber uh-huh mask that looks like a person and then he pulls it off it's such a such a great scene it's to reveal another mask but yeah to reveal another <laughs> mask underneath yeah yeah it's so good uh so uh, moving into our coming at you award which is our favorite <laughs> line of dialogue from these episodes what is your favorite line of dialogue from these episodes 
you and I shared a brain on this one because uh, we had the same one. That's yep. from Hongo and it's in episode four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has Shocker taken even my ability to soothe a crying child? It's such a great and there's mm -hmm. a few Again, moments. A very Marvel thing to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a few moments. And we'll see it as as the show continues on, but where he goes to comfort someone or he goes to help a normal person, like a normal human being, and he doesn't realize his own strength because he's a cyborg. And so he inadvertently hurts them. And it's like the realization of I'm no longer human. I can't even help someone comfort someone without hurting them. And that just is such a powerful moment in this show. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually something that doesn't get brought up, I think, enough in a lot of superhero comics. The the idea that there's a, you know, that because you don't fully understand how to control your power, that you can inadvertently hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then controlling that become and for a lot of characters becomes integral to them as characters. Right. And then you have other characters who are defined by the fact that they have such huge drawbacks to their powers, like Rogue from X-Men. She can literally, she literally can't touch people without mm -hmm. killing them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like you said, it is more of a Marvel thing. You don't see that in, in, uh, in a lot of DC characters, at least not your classic DC characters. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. And now, uh, WTH! <laughs> what the henchin'? The crazy <laughs> all right yeah what is your what the henshin award going to <laughs> the scene where the pitcher plant man squeezes one of the henchmen to death and i don't just it looks so weird and i don't understand why he does it <laughs> it's such a great i mean you know he squeezes them and the guy just becomes like a sack of potatoes in his arms he just <laughs> mushes him into just powder <laughs> it's so good it's so weird oh it's so good i love it i love Especially, it it's weird because of the effects but yeah 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 i mean no it, it's it's great though i love it it is weird but i like it because it's weird <laughs> but also it does add to the like the ruthlessness of the shocker you know the shocker generals that that are you know like they are going to take out mm -hmm. they're going to take out anybody who's in their way even the uh even their own henchmen if they think that there's a chance they might spill the beans on their plans mm -hmm. and what was it for you my what the henchin award goes to I mentioned it kind of a little bit earlier, but Goro's reveal, Goro uh, Hayase's reveal as the Scorpion Man. That is such a what the age moment because you're I you're not expecting something like that this early in a show like this. And to have that, it's like <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. It, it really is just kind of like because because there's no there's no hint that because we, we had the, the the eerie Spider-Man, the the black, the, the Batman uh, and the and all these other and uh, all these other characters. You don't expect them to be characters that have ties to uh, 
Takeshi yet because they haven't really established that yet. So to suddenly throw this out there that, oh, your friend who you care about and, and has you know been a friend for a very long time is now the bad guy. <laughs> and then, of course, to mm-hmm. add to it when he rips off the face and reveals the, you know, the scorpion man face underneath. It's it just the whole thing is such a WTH moment, but in such a great way. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. And with that, Travis, it is now time for, uh, to start wrapping things up because we only have a minute to hench in it. Yeah. So this is where we sum up all of our thoughts on these episodes uh, in just one minute or less. So, Nathan, in just one minute, tell me what are your final thoughts? Uh, as I've already been hinting at the even at this point, only a couple of episodes in the I can already tell that the show is starting to improve. It's starting to find its groove. It's finding its identity as a series. Uh, the monsters and the special effects continue to get better. The <laughs> true evil of Shocker is continuing to be revealed. And good Lord, it gets nuttier from here, people. <laughs> If you thought they were evil now, oh, (laughs) you haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) That's for sure. What worked? Yeah, and what worked at the beginning of the series continues to work here and continues to improve. I just hope that we see decidedly fewer quarries from here on out. No promises. uh no so yeah for me to sum it all up this is i i still really enjoy this series uh it's i i obviously i have preached the gospel of common writer for a while and uh you can tell like yes the you can see the seams and yes it's not the it's it's not as polished as some other series are especially you know more modern series but there is something about this show and definitely uh, the characters are what makes you keep coming back for more. The character of of Hongo, of Takeshi, uh, he keeps improving and growing, and I, I love him so much. And Tobei, Tachibana, uh, so much, and, and Ruriko, and all of them. The characters are what make you keep coming back for more, not just the fun action. Oh, you, you actually came in 10 seconds under time. Good job. Yay. Uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this installment of the podcast. So we want to say thank you for listening to The Henshin Man, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast. And you can listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? Congratulations on learning to henshin friends and influence people. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.